Welcome to this episode of The Square. I'm really excited for several different reasons. The first is, as you can tell, we're back in the office and we had mentioned a few weeks ago we were slowly going to be transitioning back and now we are and I'm really excited. That also means that with the whole team that is behind The Square, we can go to doing our original concept of having a variety of hosts. Um, the only reason why I've been hosting the last several episodes is because I happen to have the gear at my house. Um, and so over the next several weeks on a variety of topics, you'll see different hosts because The Square is not about one person. It's certainly not about me. It's about human-centric thought leadership and design. Um, I'm also really excited because I'm here with Unmesh Kalkar, who is our Corgan Explore winner for this year. And just to give you a little history, Corgan Explore has been going on for nearly 15 years, and it's an opportunity for uh, Corgan to pay for uh, one person to go and do research and design outside the office. So whether that's in in country or uh, overseas, um, they're able to dig into and do research on design principles and behavior and, and how we can really improve our practice. As part of that, you're gonna be going to four different countries uh, looking and researching this topic of design. So um, let's just start off a little bit by giving me a little bit of background on why you're an architect. So um, really, uh, when I was a kid, it was, we used to make things, and one of the things we used to make was uh, forts, fortresses. So we would go out and look at places uh, where there were fortresses. There were like lots of hills, and on top of that you will have walls and stuff, and come back and make, start making miniature models of those. And uh, then I started realizing how hard it is to make things. And, how, and obviously it didn't look that good, but eventually now, even now, I have those struggles. We are making stuff all the time. We are drawing, really clearing up our intent. And uh, whenever I look at good, well-designed public spaces, it really excites me. And I'm in, uh, curious about how they are designed and how they're maintained and stuff like that. So Unmesh, tell me a little bit about what attracted you to the Corgan Explorer competition. Oh, this was, this was amazing. I mean, uh, when I came as an intern in 2017, as an intern, you can't uh, apply for uh, uh, this travel study. But at that time, I had that in my mind. And I had seen one of the presentations actually happening. And uh, I, was, I was really inspired that people would go out in like, cities like Copenhagen and, uh, and like, many cities in Europe and really uh, uh, like study the places in detail and come back and present it to the whole firm. And I thought that was such an amazing opportunity to, to go to a place and really investigate it uh, with a critical eye. And um, I really wanted to do that. So when I came back to Corgan as a full-time um, uh, intern, I, I wanted to do it. And uh, it, was a, it was just a, a perfect timing for me to write that proposal. I was just out of my school. So there was a little bit, a little bit of hangover of <laughs> all the school uh, study and writing and uh, all that. So it was it was really good. So I know that you're an architecture intern on the on the aviation team. Um, why urbanism light? What what is it about that topic that fascinates you? And and really tell me a little bit about what it is. Yeah. So this is not like a very famous term. It's a it's a made up uh, idea actually. To be very honest. It was only mentioned once or twice in uh, one of the essays by Rem Kulhas. Uh, the essay he wrote was called uh, Whatever Happened to Urbanism? And the whole point of the essay was to, to kind of uh, encourage designers to 
uh, go on this path of experimentation and thinking about provisional uh, sort of uh, urbanistic ideas, city making ideas, uh, because uh, it was written in 1995, so there were lots of new cities getting built and uh, he was of the opinion that they shouldn't be built on older ideals like very very ancient cities they're very formal and statists so he was more interested in experimentation and provisional uh, kind of city making and that's where i got that word urbanism light the light essentially implies the ad hoc and provisional nature of uh, different ideas we explore in our cities so Tell me a little bit about, you had mentioned when we talked earlier, the idea of public and private spaces. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so, so I mean, to tie that urbanism light idea to public and private, so urbanism is actually like city making, anything related to city. So that kind of combines uh, architecture, design, planning, public policy. So public and private spaces are kind of at that juncture, at that confluence where you uh, look at people uh, like ev in everyday activities, there, are there is design involved and there are professionals involved, there are bureaucrats involved, so there's like a, lots of stakeholders together and that kind of uh, got me interested into the subject and specifically in this case for this submission I wanted to focus on privately owned public spaces. So the kind of spaces which are owned by a developer or a private entity but they, they have opened it up for public use uh, because city gave them a density bonus or some kind of a discount. Mm -hmm. And now they are trying to open that space up on the ground uh, to the public for community. So that's something I'm now interested in and that's what the essay is focused on. What I love is for someone who is in the aviation sector, which is arguably the team that deals with the largest projects that you can do, um, how, why is it that these spaces that are, I mean, they can just be a matter of feet between a, a curbside and the beginning of a building. What is it about that that fascinates you? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very interesting point, actually. And uh, it might be true in most cases, but if we look at big cities where anyways we have such a small public space, uh, there have been many strategies in the past uh, where they have created setbacks so that one gets more uh, public space for public use. And to give you one uh, very interesting example, uh, very famous example actually, Seagram building by Mies van der Rohe, very famous architect and everybody has seen that building. Uh, that building was one of the first buildings where the setback idea was explored. The city gave the developer extra floor space and that kind of cleared up uh, the ground for public use. And uh, to, to add on to it, in 1979, uh, William White, a famous uh, uh, architect and um, uh, uh, planner, he studied that public space uh, with the old time-lapse camera. It's a beautiful study uh, done on the behavior of people when the open space uh, is utilized, how it's utilized, how the light affects the behavior and stuff like that. So I was really inspired by that study and it still rings true in many of our public spaces, how they're utilized and uh, how design affects the use of those spaces. So that was the kind of my impetus to start looking at these smaller spaces, spaces in between the buildings. And this is something that, you know, while it's very obvious or very easy to apply it in a commercial setting where you have city planning, it's something that you look at putting into 
kind of all all areas, all various sectors of, of architecture. Yeah, I agree. And uh, to, to go back to your airport uh, analogy, um, I, uh, I mean, we won't see the direct connection between how airports and cities would connect. I mean, they, they feel very detached. But I would say airport in itself, it's such a big space. Mm. Once you're inside, it feels like a city. And if you look at hold rooms and circulation, the hold rooms are really private. There is a Southwest airline, there is American. So those are designed with completely different sensibilities and the and the common spaces are designed with uh, different ideas. Hmm. And that kind of uh, started me thinking uh, the public-private relationship intensifying in the, in the city itself. Uh, firstly, I was working on a public project. So the, uh, the level of finishes and the kind of choices we made, uh, made were different. And uh, then I was working on a private po project and that kind of gave me a perspective how I can start investigating this relationship. Uh, so that's that's where this idea of urbanism light focused on privately owned public spaces came in. I love that that correlation. So tell me, I mean, why is that important? As you know, as a person walking down the street or inhabiting a city or or you know taking a flight and going somewhere, why is having those spaces important? Yeah, I think uh, I would say uh, when you said it's if it's a very small space between a building interface and street, the, the walk itself becomes really, really boring. There is no engagement. And that kind of, uh, I think, uh, creates an impediment for people to walk and uh, kind of go on this healthy lifestyle where you would be interested in walking. And I think that experience of walking, engagement, and healthy lifestyle, in my view, goes hand in hand. It doesn't have to be these different things where sustainability is like about energy efficiency and your experiential parts are something different. I think they go really well if you, if, if one has engaging streets where you want to walk on it, you want to look up, look around, and maybe uh, if, you, if you get tired, there is a place to sit. And that's even more relevant for somebody who is elderly or somebody who has kids. I think those things are even more intensified uh, in that case when we think about the different age groups. So, so tell me a little bit about the four cities you picked. You had New York, London, Paris, and Barcelona. Um, tell me a little bit about those four cities and why you picked them. Uh, so New York, I have been to New York many times to, to meet my friends and uh, New York has really robust uh, network and organization of privately owned public spaces. They have, I think, a governmental agency to look after that and uh, to really check if, uh, if those uh, privately owned public spaces, how they are maintained, policed, and all that. So they have a really robust pro program. So I started visiting those places, like only one, once or twice I, I visited few of the famous places. And uh, then I started investigating if there are any other cities who are doing similar things. They might not be exactly the same in exactly similar wording like in American context, uh, but I could find uh, lots of uh, related references. Mm -hmm. So I would say uh, uh, New York and London have a very similar strategy uh, to handle these uh, spaces. So large public spaces where it's very hard for city to maintain them and police them so they would start uh, incentivizing the developers to start maintaining them. And uh, uh, the response is mixed, obviously. It, 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 yeah. it's, relatively, yeah. it's relatively controversial. 
So that's what I found in Paris and Barcelona where the, the idea of public space is much more uh, stringent. They, they don't like uh, the whole private uh, notion. So they have uh, tried to maintain uh, those uh, public spaces uh, very fiercely. Uh, so I think that's that was a choice. So I made uh, I, I had New York and London and Paris and Barcelona. So there will be two categories in my mind. And actually going there would inform me how they actually function. So I don't know for sure right now how they actually uh, work. Uh, but uh, something to really look forward to when I go there. So that was one of the things that I really liked because you're, you really have to go in the four elements that you laid out as part of your submission, you have to go to these spaces to experience them. So those four elements that you mentioned were behavior, taxonomy, organizational structure, and policy perception. Tell me a little bit about each one of those and how they kind of go into the overall design idea. Uh, so these four criteria, I, I would treat them as a uh, methodology to, to research all the four cities. So when I come back, I can present these four cities on a similar ground. So we have some kind of a, a comparison between these cities and how these public spaces are utilized. And um, to, to go over each of them uh, real quick, uh, behavior would be uh, very simple how people behave. Uh, and uh, I have done that once in my thesis as well. What I would essentially do is click lots of photographs, people talking to each other, sitting, standing, loitering, uh, smoking, uh, all that, and then start tracing them and uh, looking at patterns, how uh, like basic habits, culture would affect how the public spaces are used. And that kind of, I think, give us, will give us a glimpse in what is acceptable, what is not, and all those uh, connotations which, which start with design and then reflected in how we behave in a space. And I think that kind of ties back to what Samantha was saying in her la last podca podcast. She was saying um, about how the idea of spitting or smoking has changed over the period of time. And that kind of changed the design as well. Like we don't see those infrastructure pieces in mm -hmm. those public spaces. There is no uh, trash. Uh, uh, sorry, what, what is that called? Uh, the ashtrays. Yeah, yeah ashtrays. <laughs> I actually forgot about the ashtrays. Uh, <laughs> we don't see them uh, as much now. Yeah. And uh, I think yeah. those would be amplified in case of COVID because now the social distancing is such an important criteria. There. So it will be fascinating to see when people start meeting each other, what happens in that personal sphere? Yeah. Do they handshake? Do they do they hug each other? I mean, this is something I'll be observing and like noting it down. So that would be interesting. And you're going to be looking, it sounds like, at the behavior between the design, how it affects the people. But I would imagine there's a cultural element in there, too, because the culture between Barcelona, Paris, London, and New York are all very distinctly different. Agree, yeah. So that's the, that's the behavior bit. Uh, I would say taxonomy and organizational structure are more interiors and architecture oriented. So mm. we are pretty familiar with that, making uh, really rigorous drawings and understanding the structure and how it affects the ventilation, light, circulation in, in those spaces. So very uh, uh, pragmatic and uh, bare bones of design I would study. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll watch people walking through the spaces so that I get the uh, circulation, uh, like really uh, noted it down in, in 
explain uh, in, in plan form, in, in sections, in perspectives. Uh, so those kinds of drawings. Does, uh, does, so those are more... Does, does furniture play into that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, that's why I, I created this spectrum. So behavior would start with people. So we would start observing people. Then it, then it goes to the furniture and the smaller pieces. And then it starts going into how it is organized and how it shapes the space. Mm. And then overall architecture of that space, how it fits inside the, the buildings. Uh, because in case of Paris, uh, those are arcades. So arcades were designed as like uh, space in between the buildings. And they were covered with this very beautiful glass, uh, thin metal structures. So that kind of binds the whole experience. And that, that, then, it, then the architecture part is also... Uh, very important uh, in that sense. And then tell me a little bit about policy perception. Yeah, the, the fourth one is something which I haven't done before in any of my studies. So this is something new to me as well. Uh, the idea was to really look at smaller signifiers uh, in public spaces, uh, like a camera, like a CCTV camera or a signage, or a smaller indication in the design itself, which gives you a feeling of how this space should be used. And I'll, I'll document those signifiers. And what I really want to do in that is, um, we have a, there are two intents. There is an intent by the city, and there is an intent by uh, the designer. And how it combines and really we can uh, see it happen in the public space. That is something I want to document. And in that case, the drawings won't be the best medium to express that. So I'll rely more on the, newer digital technologies like time lapses uh, and uh, uh, shorter videos, those kinds of formats. So after you're done with all of this, and we'll, we'll get to the deliverable here in just a minute, but I'm really curious, like, do you have, um, because we're gonna talk to you before you go and then after, do you have any kind of preconceived notions of, of how this will have an effect on your practice as a designer? 100%, I mean, I, I am interested in, uh, publications, uh, making content for uh, the presentations, videos. I think those are something, uh, those are newer mediums. I mean, we are very familiar with, uh, with drawings and prints and very traditional mediums. So I want to move a little bit into the newer ways to document and present uh, our findings and designs. So that is something is, is there in back of my mind all the time when I'm doing these studies. So when I come back, I imagine me making a completely fresh uh, way to present this whole study, something which I might not have done before. So I'll be exploring in those uh, uh, ideas as well. One of the things I love that you've been talking about is not just the designer's intent, um, but how that relates to the implementation and then also how that relates to the building as it takes on its own life and its own story after completion. Why is that third part important? Um, I would say uh, whenever we look at a public space, uh, what we are actually imagining is the final event, which kind of in encapsulates all that experience. So maybe there is like a very vibrant protest or, uh, or like a rally or a public speech by someone who was, was, which was really instrumental in something. Mm. And then that picture really gives you the whole feeling of a space that how it all adds up. Uh, so that kind of story I am interested in. I think that would make uh, even our designs when we design. We are, I think, designing for that 
interesting event maybe and it, it might not be that famous event it could be just two people meeting each other mm. or maybe a soldier coming back and meeting its uh, their family some some of those things uh, which which are sometimes captured in the in the in those spaces yeah and then yeah. you start looking at the whole environment around it how it helped that to happen so that that's why the story is so important i would say well so we mentioned it a little bit at the beginning um and you know uh it, it is interesting to think of a travel competition in the midst of covid and, and even though things are starting to open a little bit um aside from the logistical part of being able to actually go and travel to these spaces and see it how do you think covid is going to affect the theory behind this uh i honestly i'm i'm kind of in two minds about it uh i feel we are going to see like major change in behavior that's what my gut feeling says but that goes back to our culture discussion there are cultures who are like really like close to each other very close knit communities people know each other really well so like doing handshakes and hugs are like so important to them so i think it will be very hard to to get away from but some cultures who are relatively like subdued or not that uh, expressive they, they might be okay in in this scenario more introverted cultures so that that is something also i'm interested in looking at i personally haven't been to london or barcelona i have been to new york uh, and paris once uh, so it will be interesting comparison to to look at uh, different cultures from covid perspective uh, so yeah well thank you for joining us for this episode of the square we'll put a link to unmesh's submission down in the comments below and uh, and we're really looking forward to after you take this trip being able to follow up with you um, and if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us again. Contact information in the description below. If you're listening to the audio version of this, we've had various images um, from some of what Unmesh has been talking about in the video. So please make sure you go back and watch that video version of the square. Until next time, thanks so much.